You're listening to The Building Code. I'm Tom Houghton. I'm Paul Worth. We've got a great episode planned for you today where we're going to talk about hiring great people and retaining and engaging your top talent. This, of course, will help your business thrive, and we'll dive into that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about an exciting opportunity we have called Builder Trend University On The Road. We're calling it BTU On The Road for short. This will be taking place in Dallas, Texas on October 3rd, 2019. It's a one-day event for you and your team to learn more and how to optimize your usage of Builder Trend. We have a limited time early bird discount available right now. So if you go to the website, buildertrendu.com slash Dallas, you'll see the limited time pricing there. Depending on when you're listening to this episode, it might already be gone. So as soon as you listen to it, go check it out. So make sure you sign up for Builder Trend University if you want to continue to grow your business. Joining us on The Building Code today, we have our very own VP of Human Resources, Megan Maslanka, and our Director of Talent Acquisition, Michaela Hoover, joining us. Welcome to the podcast, Michaela and Megan. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to talk about all things talent, people. The world of people. The world of people. That's what we do. It's a lot of fun. A lot of people. (laughs) Seven billion now, plus, and counting. And counting. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tom, explain, explain why Megan and Michaela are here. For our listeners, our wide array of listeners. Well, as we've discussed many times on the podcast, Paul, we of course know there's an industry labor shortage happening big time in the construction industry. Uh, we of course hire a lot of people here at Build a Trend. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the number's definitely in the hundreds. Yeah, um, we've hired about 330 people. We will hire about 330 people this year. 330 people in one year. How about those apples, Tom? That's a lot of apples. It's a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of headaches too. For the HR team, uh, fair amount of headaches, but that's okay. Good that's things, fun. good things, bad things, but there's good things that comes with a huge amount of yeah, employees. More good things than bad things. That's, that's right. That's a good news. Maybe you can neither that. confirm nor deny the good or the bad. Right. <laughs> right. right. I'm very neutral in all right. topics. Exactly. And thankfully, we have a lot of good people. So most a lot of good people. Yeah. yeah. You know, what, you know what that rapper said: "More employees, more problems." <laughs> that's what, I think that's what he said. <laughs> Who was yeah. that? Oh I think it was Biggie, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Sure. We'll coin Puff Biggie Daddy. on that one. Sure. Check the show notes. I think it's, yeah, check check the, the show notes. We'll confirm yeah. the author of said phrase. Yeah. Uh, so people don't know that we have almost 500 employees over here. Over 500 employees. Over 500 employees here in Omaha, Nebraska, HQ. One building. Mm-hmm. So one building. One rough. It's a lot going on. Roughly and about 25 or 30 people new a month, yes. which is impressive. Yeah. So we'll talk about how do you recruit people? What do you do during that phase? And how do you onboard people, those 25 to 30 we do a month? And then how do you handle HR-related issues when you have a staff of more than one? Specifically pertaining to engagement, though, too. Just making sure, like, getting great talent in the door is one thing, but making sure they're running on all cylinders is another. Mm -hmm. I feel like engagement is like a buzzword. What does that mean? Great question. Uh, that's a setup right there, that's Tom. A, that's, that's a an nice setup for Megan. Megan's going to knock it out of the park. <laughs> it's an industry term. It's Here an we industry go, Megan. term. Yeah, it's definitely overused. Um, so we actually try to think about it in terms of employee experience and then eliminating what tends to lead to job misery. So things like when people don't know what the expectations are for them, when they don't have meaningful connections um, and they feel like their work doesn't matter, that's really what we're trying to avoid. But yes, engagement's a fluffy term. It's definitely overused um, and it's a lovely HR buzzword. Do you, you know another term is overused is culture. Culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People talk about culture a lot. What's culture? Um, so 
how we define culture here or how we think about culture is more like the essence of what makes BT great. It's how we grew over the last 13 years. It's our hard work. It's our people. Um, culture in lots of organizations means things like the perks, the cafe, the fun events. Um, and that's all a facade for what really matters. What we try to do is help employees, especially in the onboarding phase, understand the essence of BT. And we can do that by making meaningful connections with peers because peers are the best ones to story tell about how hard we work and how passionate we are about our success and our customer success. Um, and it would be one thing coming from HR if I were to like preach that to people, but it's a, it's better coming from their peers. So we focus on that relationship. That's awesome. So if I'm a listener to this podcast and I own my own business as construction, culture is important so I can hire people, I can attract people because mm-hmm. we have a good culture and we keep people. Mm-hmm. Those are two difficult things, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I can't, so I, I'm not clear. Can I have a ping pong table or not? At my office. Great question. Why not? Why not? As long as your people are, are still working hard, still getting their, their work done. Right. Let them mm-hmm. go play ping pong. For as long couple. as it's not just a ping pong exactly. table. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's you think more than that's that. cool culture. Yeah. You got to have some meat behind it. If you have a ping pong table and no one can use it and then you don't use it together and someone's just like playing ping pong by themselves. You can't do that. Sure. Sure. There's like a robot now. It's a, it's a lonely, lonely, yeah. it's a it's a lonely, lonely place. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say most, most of our clients listening obviously are not going to have 500 employees. So, you know, tailoring this to a smaller, medium sized business is important. That's one of the things we want to focus on our discussion today. But I would say the stakes are even higher for those businesses, right? Mm -hmm. Because obviously with 500 people, we've got a large army of people working for us when you've got a smaller team. A lot to lose. Yeah. Mm. Let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about mission statements for companies. Uh, Why do you guys think it's so important for companies to have mission statements? I think not even just the mission statement, even going back to what is the essence of BT or the, um, the soul of BT, like what makes BT special or Builder Trend special is the thing you have to define early on. You also have to define those characteristics you look for. But when you don't have those aspects defined, you don't know why you're bringing in a ping pong table. You don't know um, what you're trying to do through all other aspects of their employee life cycle. It's just, it's all inauthentic if you don't have that defined. Good. Is a mission statement and company values something that, that you develop so you can tell prospects that stuff? I think so. Or is so. it more internal? I think it's both. Um, I think that your mission statement, your company values can um, bring talent your way if they think that they can align with those company mm-hmm. values, then they can get on board with your mission statement. And it also really kind of, um, I guess, puts everybody on the same page and sets everybody up for success. Everybody, there's those boundaries there. And so ultimately everybody knows the common goal. One of the things we focus a ton on is making sure what we sell someone, because recruiting and attraction is just as much a sales process, what we tell them in that process matches with their experience. And if you don't have it defined on the backside of what you actually care about, then you're easily susceptible to to selling something that is not gonna be the experience, which leads to that disconnect ultimately turnover. That's good. So any ideas or like starting points for people who are maybe haven't defined their mission or their company values as Paul put out, what would be some good first steps for them? 
So I think with a with a mission statement and defining it, you ultimately obviously have to look at your company. You can't look at other companies and compare yourselves to them because at the end of the day, if your mission statement isn't really honing in on what your company does, then it's not going to make sense. So um, look at your company, just decide what it is you want to preach. Um, you want to be very brief and specific. If your company isn't using like fancy jargon words, then don't put some crazy word in there that maybe people don't even understand. Um, make sure it's really brief and really defined so that people can really um, kind of get behind it and believe in it. I think too, you can always look at the owner or the original few people who started the organization and understand if if you're, let's say five years into your company and you don't have them and you're looking to start them, to Michaela's point, look back at those first few years and what made you thrive as an organization or what you got you through those years because that can help give direction to what you're really trying to do, what you really value um, as an organization. Awesome. So step one, define kind of who you are. So that way, not only your clients would know, but also anybody who you're looking to hire would also know, mm-hmm. yep. right? Then that moves on to step two, which is we got to get them in the door, right? We got to right. hire some people yep. so that way we can grow. Yep. So let's talk about maybe some, some tips that you might have for that, Michaela. Sure. Would be like a candidate profile template or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So a candidate profile, um, it, it may be something that people already use out there. Um, one reason why it's really important is, yeah, you can have the job description, you can have um, the qualifications listed out on paper, um, but if you only have that, that's only gonna get you so far. You need to ultimately define and understand what you are looking for in that candidate. What is the, What are their intangibles? Um, what takes them off paper? Are they gonna be a culture fit for you? So once you have that candidate profile defined, then you can go and start looking for the people that you're looking to fill for the role. That's ultimately going to be the most important thing because you're not going to find the right fit if you don't know who you're looking for. I'm going to give you hardball journalism here. All right. <laughs> Help me define intangibles because oh. isn't that the very definition of an intangible is that you can't really grasp yes. it? So yes. Can you give me an example so, of what that would be? Um, for example, it would be like a great communication or um, maybe uh, work ethic, something like that. Um, a lot of things you you just can't. You can teach a lot of things, but others you can't. So if somebody comes in and you're looking to hire somebody for a sales job and they don't have the communication or the hard work ethic, probably not going to be a good fit for sales. Sure. Can you give any quick tips to how to to kind of like suss that out in the interview process? Sure. So, um, and this would probably go into maybe some more of the interview sort of questions that you would define. Sure. And one way that we have determined um, that we can kind of really weed out some of our Uh, great sales candidates versus maybe not the great ones um, is ask very open-ended questions, ask specific questions, um, ask situational questions. So, you know, how do you, um, how do you combat rejection? What would you do if you were rejected X amount of times? If you were put in a situation ever where you um, maybe failed, how did you come back? Um, Ask those sorts of open-ended questions to see if that candidate is going to be the one um, to be able to bring it back. Awesome. I'm sure you probably have a whole bunch of examples of those. Maybe we'll put a few of them in the show notes for people to check out. Sure. That sounds good. good. You know, I'm always for show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Big show notes guy. Big show notes guy. (laughs) Do you, uh, do you recommend job shadowing? Absolutely. Yep. So that's part of our process. Kind of, it starts with a phone screen, get to know the candidate. Ultimately you really kind of want to humanize it. Typically, if you're in an interview and uh, the candidate's probably going to have quite a bit of nerves. So humanize it with the candidate. uh, Make sure that you uh, really lay out the entire job details um, of the role. 
after that, if all's going well, suggest setting up an on-site interview. And after that, job shadow, absolutely. That's something that we've incorporated to our process all throughout the organization. Ultimately, we want to set people up, up for success and, and want to make sure that everything is completely laid out before anybody accepts a job. Yeah, for a lot of our listeners in small businesses, like if they have three to five employees, like you're basically having somebody join your family. Right. So it'd be good to know if they get along before. Right. That they're not I mean? crazy. Take them to a job site. Have them Take do a them to a along. job site. Yeah. yeah. Do mm-hmm. a ride along. Now, I mean, do we feel like this job shadowing thing, do we feel like that's pretty prevalent or do we feel like this is like a new thing? It's, it's probably, um, as far as Builder Trend goes, we've been doing it for about three years now, and it's been something that we've adopted into our process consistently, and it's it's proven to be really successful. We've had really great feedback from candidates, um, so it ultimately gives them a, a day-to-day, uh, in the life of a day-to-day, and I mm-hmm. think that's what candidates are looking for when they're looking for a job. I think, too, with the fact that the unemployment rate in the construction industry is 4.7, 4.9%, depending on the month, um, it's just as much your job to sell the candidate and take them out for a lot of our customers they've got really cool job sites mm-hmm. um, and to see how all of it works and the role that they will play is a big part in us selling them and that's what we're trying to do too we're trying to get our candidates to interact with different members of the team to see the floor in action to see what their life would look like here because we're trying to sell them almost more so than they're trying to sell us like it's a it's a different model than it was 10 years ago when unemployment was really high and we had our pick of candidates. Sure. So I think that's a big part of it too. It gets them to see what life is like and it's a really cool job site. Now, again, to give somebody who's never dealt with job shouting before, is this like an all day thing? Do people like want compensation for their time usually or? How does that work? I, I, no on the compensation. I think if, if the candidate is really in, invested in, in thinking that this is going to be um, a good fit for them, ultimately you would hope that they would take the time out of their day to see if it's the right fit for them. As far as the timing goes, um, I mean, I think if it is some sort of a job site, I would say at least half a day, um, maybe a full day. I, it, it ultimately depends on the job. Yeah, I think everyone's going to do what works best for them. I wouldn't recommend stretching it all day. That might be a little bit taxing for sure. someone, but it should be meaningful where you're not just showing them some 10 minute view of it and they can't really grasp more of it, more of the experience. So everyone should kind of pick what works for them. Ours usually go from 30 minutes to two hours, depending on the role, depending on the team and what else we have paired, but I wouldn't recommend a full day. That's for sure. Great. Let's talk about onboarding. So we've, we've interviewed, we've hired this person. I would say I've seen a lot of small businesses because they're so busy and spread thin, just kind of throw people in the water and say, figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's probably not a good strategy, right? No. No, because <laughs> you know, we, we spend a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort hiring people. And if they just leave 30 days later, that's, that's just a net loss. So mm-hmm. what are some good strategies on onboarding? Yeah, we focus a lot on first impressions. So that first entire day into day 45, day 60 is important for us. We want them to get assimilated to the organization in different ways. So for for customers, it's very similar approach. They should learn a little bit about the organization and the whole company big picture. Um, They should learn about their team. They should learn about their role specifically. And in all of those steps, it's a little bit about the culture or the aspect and making sure they're learning that essence of VT. So we do some fun things. Um, We keep it lighter weight 
Michaela's got a team does a great job early, very early in the process, um, starting to onboard them so that once they accept the offer too, it's not a silent period for two to three weeks or even a month where they get no interaction from us. But it's all about first impressions, making sure we've got a fun, engaging atmosphere, lots of different activities. We're not leaving them at their desk unattended to for multiple hours to figure it out to your point. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, I think one of the great things that we do here is, I think maybe in the first week, maybe you guys will have to talk about the timing of it. We do an event called Meet the Managers. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to tell everybody a little bit about that? Yeah, so we started doing Meet the Managers probably about two years ago. And what that means for us is essentially all of our new hires get in front of the entire leadership team. Um, and for our new hires, that is is something that's a really cool experience. Our leadership team is is about 15 people. Um, and depending on the, the, the class or the, the month, you know, we could have about 25 people starting in one month. So we typically do them, um, our meet the managers meeting about once a month and we all get in a big room. Uh, it's a really casual setting, uh, and essentially just go around the room and get to know each other. So our VPs, our directors, all the leadership team meet with the new, the new hires. And you know, it's not just, Hey, what do you do here? What's your job? How long have you been here? It's, Hey, I have a dog and his name is Bob, or, you know, I like to go ice skating on the weekends, whatever it might be. You, you kind of get to know the new hires along with the leadership team. So it's, it's a good way to break the ice. And then ultimately, if you're walking around the hallway, it's a good way to say, hey, I know you. I met you yesterday, yeah. whatever it might be. Tell me more about that dog named Bob. Bob. Bob's great an, great Bob. guy. Interesting choice. Yeah, that, that was a weird one. We <laughs> <laughs> got Tom cracking up over here. Who knew, who knew dog jokes were their way into your heart, Tom? It's uh-huh. true. First of all, I think that's one of the great things we do. I mean, if, if you don't know your owners, you're not going to work hard for them, mm-hmm. right? Or if you don't know what they're about. So that's really good uh, for people listening. So we've defined our mission statement, company values. Great. We got a candidate profile. We went out there. We hired people with some great tips and tricks. We've onboarded them. Now, what if they suck? What happens? What do we do? Oh, that's on the manager. No, just nope, kidding. You guys are out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm no, out. no, no, no. Uh, let's, let's look at both sides of the coin. So let's say they're amazing. Mm-hmm. How do we give them consistent feedback that makes them feel valued? Let's say that they um, weren't what we thought they were and we need to either terminate them or we need to have a performance review. Mm-hmm. What are some best practices there? Yeah. So one of the interesting thoughts that a lot of times we have is that our top performers, we don't have to give feedback to. So even if you have someone who's doing really well and you know, you would consider them the classic term of the rock star or the superstar, they probably need feedback and um, not just praise, but things you could, they can keep doing to get better to keeping that, that top performer for you um, more consistently than someone who's not performing. But the, on, on the side, when an employee or one of your um, workers is not doing well and you need to give them that constructive feedback. I always suggest obviously addressing it early and often is the most uh, simple thing you can do, but it's about meeting that um, the performance issues with the right level of seriousness. Sometimes we get nervous as leaders and owners and managers and start to maybe make light of the situation because we don't want to address it. And so we try to joke about it or we offhand make a comment about, you know, that wasn't that important. But the best thing you can do for those employees that are not performing is to give them serious feedback, meet it with that level of appropriateness that needs to address it. Um, And we always, we do a couple different things. We give employees a couple opportunities. Obviously we want everyone to be successful. So we'll give them frequent coaching. We meet with them weekly by weekly, tell them what's going well, where they can improve just pretty simple feedback. 
if it doesn't end up working out and they're still not performing, we usually go down the performance improvement plan. Now for our customers who maybe have five, 10, 15 employees, it can be as simple as um, saying like, okay, over the course of the next 30 days, we've got to get your performance. You can't have any errors if someone's constantly making those mistakes because it's impacting your business or you should tell them why that's not okay. Sometimes we think employees understand. And then you can meet that early on too with saying like, if we can't correct this in 30 days, unfortunately, we're going to have to part ways. Giving that early notice to employees too is a good way to help them understand how serious you are about it. And unfortunately, if it doesn't work out, you know, you go through termination, you obviously have to know your local and state laws around if you're an at-will state and you can terminate on the spot without cause or if you need proper documentation. So communication is good on either side of that coin. Communicate when they're good. Communicate when they have places to improve. Mm-hmm. Also document, mm-hmm. right? Because there's some liability there if you terminate yep, an employee. Yep, for sure. One point to bring up too mm-hmm. is the talent team tries to assess talent all throughout the process. And maybe they're interviewing for a particular job and we and we onboard them and we hire them. And maybe they're a, a great person. The It's a great employee, but maybe they're just not the right fit and we didn't screen them the right way. When we have 550 employees and we're hiring 330 in a year, we're not going to get it all perfect. So um, we always, too, try to move those employees around if if maybe they're not in the right job. Um, Maybe some career advancement opportunities can uh, exist in the organization too. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes you would be surprised who that employees know when they're not performing. Um, and if you get into a situation where you may be selected an individual to join your team and they're not working out, chances are you could have that conversation of like, this isn't a good fit. We should part ways. And it'll be more of a mutual decision. It's still a hard life event for any employee to hear those words, but it's better to do that early for when you have five employees, one person not pulling their weight is super critical. So our advice is, um, don't let it lag, don't not address it, and just um, the sooner the better. Sure, definitely. We were yeah. talking a lot about communication. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to kind of piggyback off of that. What does that communication look like from leadership? How do you think communi- How do you think leadership should be communicating with the team? So one of the things when you have a small team, your employees are likely wanting to understand are you doing well as an organization? A lot of um, contractors are constantly thinking about how to grow their business, how to add more job sites. We don't recommend, you know, it's, it's up to each individual owner of what they feel comfortable sharing and communicating from a company aspect, but we do recommend sharing things like, we're hoping to grow our company by five job sites in 2020 or double the size of our network, whatever that looks like for each organization, because you're employees understand what how their work matters what they're what they're working for that's the the way we like to communicate about success here too is in the growth terms and percentage growth or number of job sites versus any other type of revenue because we also know in small organizations there's a lot of cash flow conversations it's hard to pin down a certain number at a certain date and so you don't want to hold yourself necessarily to that but talk in big terms and big pictures to help your employees understand like okay I'm being added to the team because I can help us grow five job sites. So every day matters and they'll they'll feel that. I think something that's been really important and beneficial to the growth of BuilderTrend as we've grown with communication is having a consistent cadence of, you know, knowing when your manager is going to meet with you and knowing that it's going to be at this time or at this day each. Um, so really designate time with your employees to know that, you know, show them that you care, show them that they matter and have uh, one-on-one meetings with your employees too. I think that goes a long way. 
That's a good point. I wanted to circle back. So, so construction is having a hard time recruiting, especially young people or anybody really. Um, what are some ideas for a small business owner uh, to attract more people to their company? And what I mean by that is like signing bonus or more PTO, like what things resonate with, let's just call it the younger generation now. I think it obviously depends on the market that you're mm-hmm. in and, and where you are, what type of talent that you really are trying to attract. But um, ultimately, you know, depending on the size of the company too, what sorts of benefits are going to be viable for your company. I do think that in the younger generation, more time off is is something that's really hot right now um, or just a flexible work schedule in general. So whatever it needs to be um, and, and depending on the candidate that you're trying to attract, do some research, see what's out there um, and, and really try to increase your benefits. One of the interesting things too is a lot of times we so focus on what can we offer new and what we're trying to do is say holistically, how do we help personalize benefits? So if you have five employees, one may want more PTO, one may want um, maybe a better premium for their medical expenses because they've got a family. So one of the interesting things that's actually happening is you could offer different things to different people of the same dollar amount. So if you know you can spend $500 per employee more, and maybe that's the equivalent of one or two extra PTO days, and you can transfer that $500 into a premium of a benefit, you could go down that route. Your employees actually know that you're attempting to care for them personally versus a a mask. Because to Paul's question, I don't think there's a one size model that will fit a generation. Sure. I feel like that might add a lot of headache on your team, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, at Builder Trend with 550 employees, it's going to be interesting. But again, it goes back to what can you do, and the cost of retaining employees is easier, especially in the labor market, than losing. So, <laughs> if we instead could spend a certain amount to try to retain talent, is actually more beneficial for us than losing that individual, having a loss of productivity, especially for a small organization that's crucial. And then there's a cost to hire on top of that. So we think about um, our holistic package that way versus just there's hiring costs and then there's benefits cost. Can we transfer some of that spend? That's smart. You guys got a good system down there. (laughs) We're trying. Yeah. We got a crack team there in HR and recruiting. It's great. There you go. Awesome. Well, this has been extremely informative. I feel like I'm ready to go start hiring and engaging people left, right, and center. Just keep the engaging to a minimum. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thank you both for joining us so much on the podcast today and sharing your wisdom. And we will definitely boil all that all down into the show notes. So make sure you check that out. And I think we could probably bring you guys back for more because I feel like there's definitely more that they were hiding from us. Anytime. We'd love that. They're hiding? Yeah, they were like, they were like you know, hiding the back. They were hoping to get a, a second spot. Make sure. sure. Yeah. Right. Round was, two. Yeah. Stay tuned. Round two is the plan. You can't have it all. That's right. You know, let's go. Great job, Tom. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, Michaela. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Love what you heard? Don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast so you can hear from more guests that will benefit your business. Also, please check out our show notes page for more information on what we discussed on this episode. You can find it at buildertrend.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Building Code. Appreciate you.